0: Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com.
1: Hey,
2: everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio. You know, every first Monday, we get to chat with military historian and author Mike Guardia. He is an award-winning author, as I said, military historian and a US Army veteran. He was named the author of the year in 2021 by the Military Writers Society of America and his latest books out of, oh gosh, it's over 20. I think it's 25, mm. I, I can't keep up with him. But his latest books are Coyote Recon, The Forgotten Wars of Colonel J.D. Vanderpool. This is a cool story, you need to get it. And uh, also The Combat Diaries, True Stories from the Front Lines of World War II. You can go to Amazon, but also go right to MikeGuardia.com. And he's joining us today to talk about Irish history, Irish Americans. How did they get here? Why did they come here? And Mm -hmm. um, maybe we'll talk about potatoes and the lack of potatoes. So welcome to the show. Uh, Mike, how are you?
0: Hey, ladies, I'm doing well. Always a pleasure to be here.
2: Hey, this is cool. We're going to talk about something different. Um, Normally, we're talking about stretch strategies and blowing people up and things you know um that sounds bad but it's true um but today we're talking about Irish Americans come oh maybe you are talking about things blowing up um but Irish American history and that's something you chose so I first want to go to why did you want to talk about Irish American history what what intrigued you to, to talk I know it's Irish American yeah. history Month but Still, what was it that led you to uh, this choice of topic today?
0: All righty. Well, let's see. Um, I think it was a lot of things. I mean, to start off with, I mean, it is uh, the month that we celebrate Irish Americans and that we celebrate mm-hmm. Irish heritage, you know, and, and th- th- then, of course, there's the uh, there's the ever-present St. Patty's Day, uh, St. Patrick being the patron mm-hmm. saint of Ireland, and uh, one of the things that they credit... St. Patrick was doing is expelling all of the snakes from Ireland. And that Mm -hmm. is why today Ireland is one of the few places in the world that does not have a native snake population. And uh, not only that, really just reflecting on all of the contributions that uh, Irish Americans have made uh, to our society that that they've made throughout history. And uh, really just the uh, story of how they overcame a lot of adversity. And mm-hmm. how it's a, a story that you uh, you wouldn't expect to have the twist that it does, but it's a uh, it's a story that we can all take a lesson from, and uh, it's also a story to highlight that you know even if you think the uh, odds are stacked in your favor, there could be some things that come out of left field that make your life and uh, your your journey through life exceptionally difficult.
2: No kidding. <laughs> well you I know have this, to say well this yeah, is interesting seriously too. when you think about when things get really tough like that and you think also about you know why we had the world wars right
1: mm-hmm. right
2: you know real terrible things happening you know and how people choose to survive when you could say i'm throwing the towel in and it's that bad how prisoners of war choose to live through something so terrible. What do you think that is that gets people to just keep fighting for life? When you could say like, you know, everything's running downhill. I don't see the light of day. How do we keep persevering forward? What do you think it is? Like through all the research you've done and how many books, 25, is it 25 books? It is. Oh, my God. You're making me old. <laughs> I love it. I love it, though. Um, but what is it through all of this that you well, think will move forward?
0: Well, I think it's a few things. One is that you really have to know what you're fighting for. And uh-huh. uh, two, you, you, there's always the promise of something Even if it's just a vague concept that you have, the promise of something greater that's going to come on the tail end of it, whether it's really just trying to get back home to your loved ones, whether it's, uh, you know, just wanting to be a survivor or whether it's, you know, telling yourself, okay, what I'm doing has a purpose that goes beyond myself and even goes beyond the source of my torment at the moment Yeah, I think when you uh, take those things together, and I know that they're pretty broad strokes, but when you take them all together, those are really what motivate the uh, human spirit to endure. And it's funny you should mention that, because that reminds me of uh, an anecdote I heard from one of the veterans I interviewed for The Fires of Babylon. It was that book on Eagle Troop and and, uh, the Battle of 73 Mm -hmm. Easting. Well, one of the uh, key players in that book was a gentleman named Chris Hedenskog. And he was this young 19-year-old private first class in the Gulf War and you know his, his first experience um, to the ravages of war was happening at at such a young age and one of the uh, stories that he told me one of the many stories he told that really sticks out in my mind is uh when he saw some of the wounded Iraqi soldiers even those who were fatally wounded you know seeing the resilience they had to try to just mm. stay alive either whether it was trying to hold themselves upright or you know uh uh, crawl out of some earthenwork bunkers, uh, you know, with literally half of their bodies missing. He said, "Mike, you know what it reminded me of was a lot of the uh, a lot of the bucks and the wild game that I used to hunt in Colorado." And he said, "You know, uh, you can have uh, you can have an animal like a ten point buck or even a mountain goat. Uh, you know, you can um, you can target the animal and you can uh, shoot it through what would be a critical organ and." You'd be surprised how long that that animal will try to hold on to dear life just to survive. And if I'm remembering the story correctly, it, it, I think it was a uh, it was a it was a buck that he and either his friend or his father were hunting. and uh, one of the rifle bullets like hit this buck pretty much directly through the heart. What would have been a an instant fatal kill, but that this uh, but that this animal, you know, crawled on for at least a good, 30 yards up a very steep slope of uh, a hill or a mountaintop before it finally expired. And, you know, you just said that you, you know, you know that you're doing this to feed yourself and and feed your family, but you can't help but admire the resiliency of, uh, of an animal to hold on to life or to try to hold on to life that long to even where, you know, it it has a fatal wound to still hold on and uh, you know, not only pull itself forward, but pull itself up. What is a very treacherous uh, steep incline?
2: Mm. And that's why you we know have my... to do all we can to protect animals.
1: <laughs> no, well, it's true. My though. grandmother,
2: my grandmother used to say that the that the beginning of life started with spirit,
1: mm.
2: and and that you need spirit to continue life. And you need spirits to enjoy life. <laughs> well, no, but that's funny. Yeah, but but Mike, well, she was know, a funny little British lady. Yeah, she, was. But, she, was awesome. but, but, she was. She was awesome. But and she was she's only four foot nine, British lady, and she used to put her hands on her hips when anybody crossed crossed her way of thinking. She'd put her hands on her hip and say, "Now you know that's not true,"
1: mm-hmm.
2: or mm-hmm. "You know there's a better way." Or, you know that you need to stop and think about this, and so you know when i when I look back in history at some things, I can see we used to call her Nana. Mm. I think that's a British thing where you call your grandmother Nana. I don't know, but that's what we called her nana. And I can see her in certain like right now, I'm reading a historic novel about Ireland. and I see Nana all over it because we're talking about the uh, in the novel about the British and the Irish and how they came to separate. And there is a thing, there's certain personalities, I think, that are handed down. Like you inherit from your ancestors, not all from one ancestor, you inherit things from your ancestors. And I think that's really how history is born it's like history is what people do and why they do it but i think it you know it comes from how you were born what you were given in your genes and who what made you you to a certain point and then how you make the rest of yourself like part of you is how you're born with genes from your ancestors? And then the second part is, what did you do with it? Mm. Does that make sense at all?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it does. Mm. Well,
2: going back to the Irish, I mean, when you think about there was the potato famine, there was so much in history, right, in mm-hmm. Ireland. And it gets kind of,
1: through you know, so much.
2: It's so, so divided. I mean, you think about Northern Ireland too now, right? And so there's a lot of religious difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 wild how we can put up lines as human beings.
1: Mm-hmm. But then
2: you think about that resiliency, Mike, I was talking about about that. Why is it that we fight so hard to live, right? And you think about people coming in on the Mayflower. I mean, that wasn't an easy ride. That's not like going on a cruise on Carnival cruise lines and... Princess Cruises and or Viking, that's not how it is. The Mayflower wasn't like that, you know. And and so I don't I don't think Irish came in on the Mayflower, right? The English did, and then they went to Amsterdam and Holland and came here, right? Um, so the Irish coming here, that was a, that was different, wasn't it? Or did they come in on the Mayflower?
0: So uh, the big wave of Irish immigrants that we got here mm-hmm. in America. Um, was actually uh, attributed to the potato famine in uh, mm-hmm. the early 1800s. Uh, you know, yeah. it, now of course we had Irishmen who lived in America before that, but uh, the biggest wave that you saw came as the result of the potato blight. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's odd that uh, it's odd that you know a, a famine would precipitate a mass migration to America, and it. it the the story takes an interesting twist because when the Irish came over here, they were thinking to themselves, okay, well, we have a lot in common with the Americans. We're actually kindred spirits because we both hate the British. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> sure. we we've had a very re, we've had a very rocky relationship with mm-hmm. the British for a number of years now at this point. And, you know, we, we, can, we can identify with, with the Americans as our kindred spirits. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that we will be welcomed with open arms. And, you know, when you think about it, I, I guess in the most logical sense of the construct, you know, it makes sense. I mean, you would expect them to be welcomed with open arms because, you know, I mean, they are ethnically white just like us, and uh-huh. I'm saying, us in a collective sense says you know what the predominant mm-hmm. prevailing people of america was at the time and uh you know they uh, they share a common language but the reception wasn't the warm welcome that they were hoping for because when they got off the boat uh you know america at large was looking at the irish population and telling themselves okay well yeah they're they're white but they're kind of off-white you know a lot of them have mm, red hair they talk weird. funny <laughs> and they're all catholic Ugh, you know um
2: yes he that's yeah they,
0: yeah they're saying okay well if they're they're catholic they must be agents for the pope they must be oh, here to cause yeah. trouble maybe try to you know turn uh mm-hmm. turn the u.s into a second vatican i don't know uh or you know hey they they, mm-hmm. they screwed up their own country with the potato blight you know they're probably going to import the the same um the mm-hmm. same blight here in America, and uh, the Irish were horribly discriminated against, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, for a long time. And when I was teaching history at the college level, one of the things that I would show my students, I would show them a photo montage that had all of these uh, Irish attack ads and all of these anti Irish uh, banners and signs, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, you would see You would see businesses post these help wanted signs, and they would say "now hiring, help wanted." And then in then in parentheses below, it would say "no Irish need apply." Right. right. (laughs) This was the this was the extent of the discrimination. We're saying, you know, Mm -hmm. hey, we really want help, and uh, you know, you can be white, black, Hispanic, you can be Asian, you Mm -hmm. be Native American for all we care, but if you're Irish, get the hell out of here.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and not only that, you also, uh, you know, you also had uh, the Irish become the subject of uh, some very uh, hurtful uh, slurs that have actually, Mm. have actually stood the test of time and they're used today, but not necessarily as a pejorative. For instance, Mm -hmm. um, if you have two children who are born to the same parents and uh, they're born either within 12 months of each other, or they're born within the, or if they're born within the same calendar year, uh, the popular adage for mm. children who are described as such is Irish twins. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the whole term Irish twins came about because there was a stereotype that you know the Irish really like to reproduce and they multiply like rabbits. Uh, so you know if you uh, were not a biological twin, either an identical twin or a fraternal twin, mm-hmm. but you were really close in age with your Next younger or eldest sibling, you mm-hmm. uh, we were an Irish twin, and an mm-hmm. Irish kiss was essentially a, yeah. a euphemism for punching somebody in the face. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, because, well I, was, I have
2: to say, it didn't um, just it didn't just happen in this country. Uh, yeah. Growing up in different countries, um, Kenya, England, um, South Africa, Irish jokes were like oh, big. I mean, I remember, I remember, like as a kid, mm-hmm. the one joke going around was how did an irishman blow up a car he mm-hmm. put his lips on the muffler like mm-hmm. that, i mean that's that that i mean it's it's weird that you bring so this many. up because now like i have all these irish jokes go to my head and i'm like that's not funny but it is but it, mm-hmm. it was at the time like just because i mean i've listen i was always the you know ugly american in school mm-hmm. so i got all of the jokes on me but it it was like I always just thought it was funny because I was a kid and I just thought, oh, that's just funny. But I didn't take it mm-hmm. as a against an Irish person. You could put any person in there. It was just funny to me. But um really now that yeah. I realize that the Irish got nailed because mm-hmm. they, they were in South Africa. I think if they were in South Africa, they mm-hmm. had to be in Australia and New Zealand too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, England, England was not nice about the Irish. When I was there, I didn't, I don't, I always thought there, the Irish, like just about the religion. I always read the, like Nancy's reading this historical novel. Like I read so many novels where the Irish came Mm -hmm. in and they were kind of this, they had to work like doubly hard. Well, almost like slaves. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I know when my brother and I are, uh, Thirteen months apart. Think about mm-hmm. that. And and yeah. I remember being called an Irish twin. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's like hello. You know, I don't know what happened. We look here identical. We do look like twins, or we did anyway. He's passed on now, but um, I remember the term Irish twins. My grandmother is British and she used to always say things about the Irish.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So there's, there is a thing but um, I think it stems from Catholic versus Protestant. I think it's a religious thing where all that starts. Mm-hmm. I don't, because I mean even the novel I'm reading now said that when the Irish get mad, the tips of their ears glow red. And I'm like, come mm. on. <laughs> so it's funny. They're like, the tips of their ears turn red before their face turns red, whereas the British, their face turns red. Um, I Really? Yeah. They're like, when they get mad, their faces turn red, you know. Uh, but the Irish, the tips of their ears turn red. I'm like, this is so weird. But it it I don't know. boils
1: I don't know it about does
2: boiled down. I know. Well, I'm not saying it's true. This is, just, it's a historic novel, but I think it boils down to Protestant versus Catholic. I think it's a religious thing. I really Mike, do. Mike, what do you say about this? Oh my gosh, are we going to get into
0: yeah religious we're get war in now?
2: No, but Um, I'm not saying he's right or wrong. I just think that's the
0: difference. You know, it, it, uh, I'm sure the Protestantism versus Catholicism is a factor in there. Um, you know, there are, there are really as many reasons as the day is long about, uh, you know, why certain groups of people can't get along or, you know, and, uh, you know, certainly there's a whole laundry list of reasons behind why the, uh, Irish don't like the British and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what I've found in a lot of the uh, more contemporary case studies that I've looked at is that, uh, you know, when you have this sectarian violence, um, a lot of it really starts with territorialism and then
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, religion gets thrown into the mix. And it, it, it's, it's I, I think for lack of a better term, it becomes a convenient uh, add-on. Now, I mean, sometimes religion is the start of it, but I've noticed that, uh, you know, it, as we as we gravitate towards more modern times, uh, a lot of it's mostly about territory and religion is just something that gets thrown in there. there. It's like once you've mm-hmm. made up your mind that you don't like somebody and that you're committed to misunderstanding them. It, you're going to look for any reason under An the sun to try to, to try to keep yeah. that division going. Like it's like, well, I already don't like this person and I don't like them because of A, B, and C. Oh, they have, uh, they have D, E, and F too. Hey, you know what, man, I'm, I'm just going to, I want to use that to pile on. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, so it's, and it's, religion would
2: it's be
0: happening. the excuse. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, hmm. it's, it's, uh, it it's, I think religion does have a lot to do with the uh, has a lot to do with the uh, split in this case. And I think that's really just mm-hmm. a function of the spirit of the Reformation, because, you know, mm-hmm. you had, um, you know, you had. Uh, you had the big split on mainland Europe, uh, starting starting with the Reformation, you had Martin Luther it's 95. Mm-hmm. BC, had, and, you know, then you had the Lutheran Church and, you know, from. From there, you Uh get, you know, the Calvinists and, you know, then we have all the, we have all the off branches of uh, Protestantism, you know, to include the Methodists and the Presbyterians and, and then, uh, and and then the Church of England, which actually didn't grow out of the, uh, the Protestant movement on, on mainland Europe, but was more having to do with the whole comedy of errors behind, you know, King Henry, Mary and Catherine of Aragon and, Mm, and uh yeah, you know and and basically, you know the England just cutting ties with the Pope and said, okay, well, Archbishop of Canterbury, congratulations, you're now the head of the Church of England. So we like these yeah. particular <laughs> Catholic traditions. We're going to keep these, but we're going to get rid of some others. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think really just that um, that uh, uh, that schism between England and the Pope is really what just mm-hmm. added fuel to the fire of the split between the Irish and the British. and you see that manifest itself in other ways, too. I mean, you had the French Catholics who were going after the French Huguenots. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's even a lot of things that the Catholic Church did at the time that uh, they still really can't walk away from. Now, I mean, not, not that we charge that to God. We don't charge that to Jesus. We charge that to the people who were making the bad decisions at the time. But, right. you know... I, uh, yeah,
2: it's little, I, I, I want to I touch on that. The because...
0: bad rap was was kind of... Kind of deserved at at the time because you know the Catholic Church had just come off you know the Spanish Inquisition uh, you know they had they'd come off uh, mm. you know the uh, they 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 had come off the selling of indulgences so there mm. were uh, you know and you know the the French Catholics going after the French Huguenots is is just another example but you know there there were there were definitely reasons for why the Protestant movement um, arose when it did and. It's painful for me to say that because I'm a Catholic myself, and it's uh, you know there were there were the wrong people in charge making the wrong decisions that just couldn't help but take two two uh, separate parties and two separate entities and keep forcing them in different directions. You know.
2: Yeah, I think this is such an important conversation because um we all have our different beliefs on religion right and um of what we want to choose which religion makes sense to us right and then there's god and spirit um and everybody can choose whether you know who what and where everybody's got their beliefs but i think a lot of times we look at religion and go oh well religion caused the war so it's like god caused the war and so therefore a lot of times people don't believe in god or religion or any of that because of war because god gets the rap on war if god did this there wouldn't be you know he created the wars then right so it's oh. kind of interesting what you're bringing up because it's human beings yeah doing the and, wars. We have
1: and we free yeah. will
2: and and i think it's you're right nancy it's like this excuse we're already pissed off with this person for doing this so now i'm going to tack this on And use this because the greater community that is around you believes Mm -hmm. this. So therefore I can rally the troops better because that's our community versus I'm pissed off with you. So I'm going to have a war with you, me and me, me and me and me and you, you know what I mean? It's like a singular versus the community behind you. Whereas the community and church was one back then like your neighborhood church was you and your family and everybody in the neighborhood kind of thing way back when, right? It was kind of like, and then now in this country and around the world, we can go to a synagogue down the street, you Mm -hmm. know, a few blocks, you could go to, you know, a Catholic church down the street. And I think that's beautiful and great. But I think back then it was like, we're all this, and it was almost like how we are now with political parties. We're doing the same thing. Uh oh, did I go? Did I go astray, Mike? But it's kind of true, right? Isn't it kind of true? This is human well, yeah, nature. You know, it,
0: it, it's um, it, it it's part of it's part of that destination, you know. Uh, where 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 we started with all these divisions, you know, the natural and and probable consequence of that is you know it spills into secular politics
2: you know the way i was brought up my parents moved every year and my mom sent us on sundays to the nearest church no matter what denomination it was so i've been to pretty much every kind of church and you would go to that church every Sunday for six months to a year, and then we would move, and then we'd go to a different church for another six months to a year. And I remember their teachings, and they were all pretty similar as far as the Ten Commandments. Other than that, the stories and how they taught it and the lessons you were supposed to bring home, were totally different. And so, you know, I found it to be very interesting and it gave me an interest in history because I really wanted to know like, why are we who we are? And why do we do what we do? Why do we go to war? Who are we fighting and what for, you know? And then living in different countries, it it got more confusing. So I look at humanity as who are you really, as a person? What do you really stand for? Because I found through the churches that they were almost identical, but they they took stabs at each other, which, in a way, would be against the Ten Commandments, like. Um, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It went out the window. And so I'm not being against the religion, but I'm just saying I think what's written and then how people delivered is two different things. That's that's called life and and growth and I'm just learning. Kidding, so in trouble for <laughs> that. I know no, but it, this is we all learn and grow, right? And so, when when we look at war, you've got to look at yeah, like, World War II. We, we've got to look at what, you know, World War II. Like, you, you even think about Ukraine right now. You can't expect Ukraine not to stand up and say, screw you back to the Russians. Like, we're going to kick it. No. Guts,
0: right? In America, and not every country is
2: blessed by some religion. Right. But somebody but comes you, out and blesses them. Right. But Somebody started a war, and you can't just sit back and hope nothing's going to happen. Yeah. no, nothing's... you have to take steps. But you know what I'm saying is right. Um. Oh, Mike, we're yeah. getting in trouble. Are we getting in trouble, I'm Mike? So gonna get in trouble. <laughs> Not with but me. No, no, no but, but I think this okay, is important. But, okay, so uh, Hitler was blessed by,
0: I guess.
2: Religion. Yes. Oh. And yeah, he, he got blessings from people in power. So I'm oh, like, so okay. you know, yeah, uh, no, no, uh, no. no, I mean, he he's so obviously the trouble. most evil. I mean, I, I'm going to put, you know, he's he's evil and I'm, I'm going to put Putin next. I say Putin instead of Putin because Putin Putin. 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 I'm sorry. I just like to say it that way. But like what what's happened what we do as human beings everybody where none of us are perfect and it's all about a level of growth and working to be better and then there are some people that are just just horrible and unfortunately we have to take them out because you you, they dirty the water like you know they dirty the bath water we want clean bath water Mm -hmm. And some people don't play well in the bathtub. His kids, <laughs> you put the kids in the bathtub together and they play with the rubber duckies. And then there's one that will go like and be like a total brat. And then there's the one that really does something bad. And then you go, you got to watch this kid over here that, you know, stabbed the rubber ducky. Why is the kid stabbing the rubber ducky? And if He's someone did- Stabbing the rubber ducky. <laughs> well, no. So, but, but if no one noticed the kids stabbing the rubber decking, what was going on, you never know what goes on, you know? So there, I'm just saying that it is weird how human beings do things. And this goes back to it. I mean, I'm going to go back to the potato phantom and, and reel us back in before okay. every person on the planet, emailing us that listens to the show and yelling at us for this, but it's true. You can't really, you can't blame God for what we do as human beings it's a life cycle of no. change and learning okay and some of us just did really bad things and I'm sorry but you defend and say screw you like you can't kill someone of, you can't you've got to protect your community but that's where religion comes in I think Mike's got this amazing viewpoint on this and Mike I think that happens not just with the Irish wars you know I think it's I think it goes a long way, but people really attach to belief systems. That's the first place as religion is the, the, that's the biggest belief system in, right? And when you think about it, that is the biggest in.
0: Well, I mean, that's, uh, that was the, mm one of the biggest foundations of early modern society, you know, that that's really Mm -hmm. what, uh, I mean, that that's kind of what communities were built around, you know, particularly, Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at the, uh, what you look, what was known as as the biblical world at the time, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you had the land of Judea and, you know, you had, uh, you know, you had Canaan and, you know, and, uh, even, um, even ancient Egypt, you know they uh, they they all tended to congregate around their you know culture and uh, you know the pantheon of gods and even the Greeks, and uh, you know the Greek gods that worked their way into Roman mythology
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: same,
0: yeah
2: well well, also looking back to Mike, when you think about um religious beliefs, I mean, we've also passed beliefs on to indigenous people in history true and And that's a whole other thing too. It's like, we obviously want this connection, the soul connection, right? To the greater spirit, the greater God, the greater being of who, why we are here. We all want that. That's why I go back to that question in the beginning is like, why do we want to survive? What is it? When you're going through such hell, what is it? I think it's all connected with, it's like a weird full circle I'm not trying to be really weird here, but it's true. When you think about, we're going to fight. We're going to go through this really brutal, bloody, mm-hmm. muddy, horrible, deadly thing. But at the same time, we have this spiritual thing going on too that keeps you living, but it, but we're also using that as a token. It's weird. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. a it's a, and, and if you think even even wouldn't you say the Gulf Wars are part of that too um Desert storm and all of that kind of ties into or no um,
0: to an extent I mean I think it's more about uh, I mean it was more about regional balances of power and uh, mm-hmm. you know, not uh, not um, not uh, not reintroducing the brand of you know, expeditionary totalitarianism like Hitler and Stalin were doing.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Right. But I think people got mad at different religions over it because of the Islam thing and all of that. So then that that. brings in, no matter what, I just feel like every war has a religious side to it. Well, it's, it's interesting that people feel when it comes to religion that you must believe what they believe. You know, instead of like, okay, you believe this, and I believe that, and let it go. Oh, that's a good point. No, it's interesting, because, I mean, we've lived in several different countries, and we've um, talked to so many people, obviously, with the radio show. The idea that if you don't believe my way, hit the highway, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, oh, that's interesting let me think about that let me well let me at, make it very clear i and, don't know anything so you can email no, but, me all you want i don't know <laughs> no but just look at it from a different point of view you know mm. it, just look at it from a different point of view and see what in your heart re- makes you react and what doesn't you know i i feel like um oh boy I have to choose the words carefully that you should protect yourself from being brainwashed yeah or hurt if from any degree whether it be teachers religions or what have you is that somewhere inside yourself you find your true self and go with that
1: Mm.
2: as opposed to I read this so now I believe it I mean how many times have history books been written and then they corrected themselves oh, because they found, a new, you know, they found a new let's just look at social media today fossil. they found a new this they found something they found more evidence so that the history books are like at the time it was written they believe this doesn't make it true it's that's what they believed on the evidence they had at that time expected change in the future
1: mm.
2: it, it, I mean it's like so we don't want something new to happen that changes the beliefs who we were taught as, as opposed to embracing oh wow hey look at that that's now new mm. like they just found mm. I have to say it Lisa you're going to get mad but I have to say it they just found fossils of what they call a penguin that is and it's the, the size of penguin. Shack O'Neal. Okay. This is <laughs> like over this is a, six giant foot penguin. Penguin, a giant is penguin. Penguin. Nancy's excited about this. I am no, I love dinosaurs. I do. I but, like the history but this, of but, watching but this, the actual evidence of the bones. Well, this is interesting. You're okay. talking about natural history, so we always have these natural history findings, but, but, but we also uh, have them for human history where we exactly, find humans but, and the oldest humans and so, and also if, concentration you know, camps, if, things like that if, that we didn't know about. Six months ago, you told somebody there was a six-foot penguin. They'd like, say, you're nuts. But now <laughs> we have evidence that there was, a, there is, was a six-foot penguin. Watch out. I don't mind. know why. They're coming, they, they're coming I don't to know Minnesota. Why did, <laughs> but why did they shrink? I don't know. All right.
0: We'll have a we'll have yeah. a sequel but, to Happy Feet.
2: Yeah, I know. And, and wait, <laughs> wait, wait, there was, there, 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 <laughs> there I was, I was a think, There was a famine. So, but I I, I, I want to go say, back to yeah. I mean, things change. History wise. Change. And so embrace the change. Don't get so locked up in your viewpoints that you can't embrace change like if you get new information embrace it as opposed to oppose it well i I want to go i want to i want to go back to mike on this because when you think about history changing i mean when we were taught about irish american history because i'm trying to circle this back around before we get a gazillion emails sorry um going back to that like no changes like I don't think when I was in high school we knew that much about Irish Americans or Irish getting out we knew there was a potato famine we knew that part but it was like there was a potato famine and people were hungry and some died and some moved on that's about probably it that we had in our textbooks and Mm -hmm. I think it's like only maybe maybe it's just my age over the last 20 years Mm -hmm. that we're really starting to understand and and movies have done I mean novels I've read so much over the years of the Irish were so feisty and really resilient human beings to still Mm -hmm. be here they they went through so much to still be here you know and Um, I have a huge respect for the Irish. And by the way, they tell really better jokes than a lot of people. (laughs) Um, I mean, I was talking about jokes earlier about them, but they could beat you to it. And if you think about the West and the Southwest, um, you know, the Chinese did so much in dynamite and blowing things up and the railroads and Mm -hmm. everything. But the Irish were pretty much a lot of those prospectors who said, oh hell yes gotten that those terms like that accent, they'll go west and they went through a lot of the moving west um and and that was brutal that was brutal and there's many historic hotels with ghosts of irish prospectors and we've stayed in a lot of them but um their history is huge in the west but going back you know mike do you think we've kind of dropped the ball in Irish history in schools over the years, because I know you taught over the years and in different ages. Um, right. Or is it just yeah. me that it's just kind of been whitewashed over like that's a term like.
0: Well, we, I, I I think it hasn't really gotten as much attention as it deserves um, because okay the the subtext that i think a lot of modern historians would use to approach it would be you know hey uh uh it's not just identifiable people of color who have been targeted with discrimination it's also been the irish who you know Mm -hmm. were as demonstrably white as the next person but when they came over here from the potato famine, you know, a lot of them came with the spirit of optimism saying, OK, well, the Americans are our kindred spirits
1: because
0: mm-hmm. we have a common enemy in the British. They hate the Brits as much as we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to welcome us with open arms. And the reception that a lot of Irishmen got when they came here was much decidedly different in the sense that you know they were saying, OK, well, yeah, the Irishmen are white, but they're kind of off-white. You know, a lot of them have mm-hmm. red hair. They talk funny, yeah. and they're Catholic. Whereas, you mm-hmm. know, uh, America at this time is still predominantly Protestant, and mm-hmm. you know they're seen as you know, they're they're looked upon with suspicion, and you know they uh, they also. Are not looked upon necessarily as allies they're you know they're either you know tacit agents for the Pope or you know they're just people who are going to uh, ruin America like Ireland itself was ruined by the potato famine you know not that that lay at the fault of any one particular Irishman you know it's just uh you know no, they, they were what yeah, they, they were not welcomed as graciously <laughs> as the English and the German immigrants were but uh, you know the mm-hmm. uh, the 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 rabbit hole goes deeper and th- there oh. is a bit of a redemption arc here too because you know uh the irish were horribly targeted with a lot of in- institutional discrimination you know that you would see these help wanted signs in uh, businesses across america that would say uh now hiring help wanted but no irish need apply mm-hmm. you know you know i mean yeah. imagine that you have a whole you have mm-hmm. a whole group of People who are ethnically white by every sense of the measure, and yet they're being excluded because of their ancestral heritage. Um, now, not only that, they also became the target of a lot of, uh, of a lot of pejoratives and slurs that still stand today, although they've lost a lot of the pejorative connotation. You know, for instance, um, Irish twins. Uh, refers to siblings who were born within the same calendar year or who were born at least uh, 12 months apart. Well, the the term Irish twin originated because the stereotype was, you know, the Irish, they like to multiply like rabbits.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh,
0: you know, then, of course, there was an Irish kiss, which was a dignified way of saying, hey, I am going to punch somebody in the face. Um, mm-hmm. But the redemption arc here was that uh, you know a lot of the uh, discriminatory attitudes against the Irish uh, subsided in one of a lot of ways. You know, uh, not only in terms of the prospectors uh, that uh, that Nancy had mentioned, but uh, you know a lot mm-hmm. of the uh, early Irishmen who came here. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, especially in New England, because they couldn't find a lot of jobs in the private sector, a lot of them mm-hmm. became cops and they became firefighters. And mm-hmm. if you look at the uh, if you look at the historical rosters of uh, you know of the um, of uh, well any one of those major police departments in New England, be it the Boston PD, NYPD, or mm-hmm.
1: the
0: FDNY, uh, you'll see that a disproportionate number of those of, of, of those cops and firefighters have Irish surnames. You know their names like Kennedy and Sullivan, and mm-hmm. O'Leary mm-hmm. and O'Reilly, and 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 Hennessy. Mm-hmm. You know all uh, all men who, who have an Irish background, and you know at, at at some point people started to say, well, hey, you know uh, these Irishmen are are uh, taking that same level of intensity that we know them for, and they're keeping our streets safe. You know they're serving, they're protecting. Uh, you know they're 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 putting out these house fires, and uh, they gain a lot more credibility in the throes of the Civil War because you had you had those Irish brigades. And, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, where, um, where either all of the, uh, soldiers or an overwhelming majority of them were, uh, were Irish and, uh, man, they were just fierce on the battlefield. And, you know, people started mm-hmm. to say, well, Hey, you know what, the, the Irishmen, they're, they're loyal to their communities. They're loyal to their countrymen. You know what, maybe we were wrong about them all along. And, uh, you know, it, you just go on to, uh, have a list of uh, Irish Americans and Irish immigrants who have uh, contributed so greatly to American history. Uh, so the redemption arc is there, and I think that's what makes the story end on a positive note.
2: Yeah, and also, what it, about um, Irish Irish who have fought in wars too?
0: Yeah, like, yeah, that's uh, right.
2: The Mexican American War, the Irish stood up mm-hmm. uh-huh. on our side. That's I, right. Listen, if you're going to get in a battle, I want an Irish, I, I know, like I have Irish friends mm-hmm. and listen, I've seen bar brawls go down. <laughs> and if you're going to side on anyone, you side on the Irish because they will, they will take you out. Sad. They, will, <laughs> I'm serious. Now, if you get an Italian and an Irish, I'm running, <laughs> I'm just yeah. running because someone's going to blow up, but <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, I, I went to school with a lot of Irish in South Africa and South African, um, yeah you don't you don't mess with the irish cuz they will they they have a good temper too like you know not all but um i just i witnessed that you know what i mean but at the same time most passionate people and sweet kind kind you know it when i just i just wish we didn't fight over things you know but that's the way the world is but i think you're really right and when you think about you know the northeast i know massachusetts boston you know but right now we're recording out of uh, Columbia, South Carolina, Mike. And I was looking up Irish history and immigration here. Lo and behold, this is one of the top places they moved to: Charleston, South Carolina, too, Savannah, Georgia. So this we like mm-hmm. the Irish took care of the coast. Basically, they went from Boston all the way down. Some said that we want a warmer climate. We're going south. So. With if, if you're going to Charleston and Georgia, like Savannah, Georgia, you know they got into military too, right? That those are such military cities. I, yeah. I, have yeah. you in your research have you come across military folk that you're like interested in that were Irish?
0: Well, um, yeah. As a matter of fact, um, we can point to the Kennedy family, you know, I mean, JFK, uh, yeah. um, Yeah. And not, not only John F. Kennedy, but his, his big brother, Joe Kennedy, you know, who was, uh, -hmm. who was, um, you know, unfortunately a casualty of war and you, you can even throw Bobby Kennedy in there too, because, uh, he served during the last year of the second world war. So, you know, you have that, uh, you have that Irish resilience there. And, uh, yeah. You know, apart from war, but I think very closely related to it is the sport of pugilism. You know, you had quite a few, uh, quite a few famous uh, boxers of Irish descent. Billy Kahn being one of them. You know, the the heavyweight boxer who uh, you know mm-hmm. could hold his mm-hmm. own against the likes of Joe Lewis. Uh, so uh, yeah, you know yeah. Th- there are several people out there either either. Um, Either first generation Irishmen or, uh, you know, people of Irish descent who uh, mm-hmm. you know had, uh, stood up and done great things for America.
2: You, when you yeah. say about boxing, I w- that's always been the beginning thing huh. of novels yeah. is the Irish coming over and boxing to make money to survive here. Is that a true thing? I mean, I think there was even that mm-hmm. movie with Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. I think when they were married, yeah, Far and Away yeah that was a good movie
0: Uh it Um, was it was
2: and i just wonder about Mm. that like is that a true thing because here you get off a ship and then you you get into a boxing match like Mm -hmm. people do with you know fighting cocks and everything they're they're actually called pugilists oh that's a big word yeah um but like they they do that like they get off the ship and that people bet on you and You know, and it seemed that that was a way for the Irish to get some money, like, quickly. If you're a male, and then if you're a woman, well, you know what was happening with women. Is that kind of the true thing, Mike?
0: Well, there is a shred of truth to it, yeah. I mean, that is how uh, some early Irish immigrants were making money. You know, they were making money fighting, and you you also, I'm I'm sure you're probably familiar with the uh, with the with with the film the gangs of new york
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, yeah that mm-hmm. epic film with daniel day lewis and leo dicaprio oh yeah yeah know, mm-hmm. they
1: were uh you know
0: they were you know you, you you had a uh you had folks who were making money with their fists and you know unfortunately mm-hmm. taking that to a, a point where they were making money running the block um yeah <laughs> but uh but the the uh The flip side of that was that, yeah, you know, a lot of these uh, same Irishmen were on the right side of the law as well, you know, and they were enforcing the law, too.
2: Well, they had had to know it from the other side, too, right, to be able to enforce it. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about Daniel Day-Lewis. Remember My Left Foot? God, he did a Mm -hmm. lot of good movies, like Last of the Mexicans and stuff. Sorry, I went into movie. My dad was a pugilist, as he used to say. He didn't like the term boxer. When he went out of high school, he went into boxing. And he taught me the word is pugilist. Pugilist, pugilist. He said he's a pugilist, not a boxer.
1: Mm. And I don't don't
2: know. know. I mean, I think it's the same thing, but... Apparently, a pugilist is a boxer with a brain. Oh, I thought you said a pugilist. I, I that's know what a he. No, a pugilist. P u g u pugilist. Huh. Okay. Okay. Mm. Hmm. And uh, uh, I don't know. That's what he he called it. Pugilist. P u g i l i s t. Um, and it was a uh, a pugilist to him was a boxer who got paid for boxing. Wow. And he got paid for boxing. Oh, so it was professional. You're a professional. Yeah. Instead of being a street fighter. He didn't get that far. Hmm. Uh, you know, because I guess he wasn't that good at it. I don't know. But he used to tell me, don't say boxer, say pugilist. It's like, don't <laughs> say pirate. It's a privateer. Yeah. He just said it did that. Um hmm. I don't know. He just said that you don't use the word boxer; you use pugilist. But I've never heard anybody say pugilist but him. Mike, have you heard of that? Have you heard of that at all? This is new to me. You know. Yeah,
0: that uh, yeah that there is a uh, there's quite a swath of the population that prefers pugilism and pugilist over boxer.
2: Wow, yeah. I've never heard this term. Like, here's our family history on radios. I legal. know, I never He likes it. to we just dig up our dirt on shows. It's great. No, but it, well, <laughs> futile, Well, it, it's it's mm. it's a classy way of saying we're gonna beat you up, but it's we're not in the streets, right? That means we're not in the streets. You know, we're, we're this is a I don't know. I just don't want my dad to. Wow. Me. All right, like so uh, so. Here it is. We're, Mike Guardia's next segment is going to be on uh, Hollywood celebrities like Lee Marvin and mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan and Clark Gable, mm-hmm. who served in the military and at war. That's going to be our next show. Uh, first Monday, every first Monday here on BigBlendRadio.com. Uh, also, keep up with Mike at MikeGuardia.com. Uh, his latest books are, again, Coyote Recon, The Forgotten Wars of Colonel J.D. Vanderpool. That's why I'm so excited about Lee Marvin with this because I feel like there's there's parallel lines with these guys. Um, Also, but obviously though, like J.D. Vanderpool really went off and did this whole military career of all these other things. And then Lee Marvin went off and did acting and singing, but there's like a connectivity there. So I'm very excited about this next interview with Mike uh steve schneikert will be joining us on that too i just talked to him uh mike he'll be on the show uh, a hollywood historian so we're going to get both sides here's the military and then the hollywood history this is going to be such a cool cool show but the other book of mike's latest books is the combat diaries true stories from the front lines of world war ii i think that's an important book for people to read because we're losing our world war ii heroes Mike we're really kind of at that tail end aren't we like with our two heroes it's Mm -hmm. it's like a generational shift is happening on all fronts even Mm -hmm. on the boomer side it sucks (laughs) it just sucks you know so I think it's wonderful that you're capturing everyone's stories and um, we're excited for your next book so you want to give everyone a sneak preview of what's happening next
0: yeah, so um, they can among the titles they can expect to see in the near future. There's um, there is Sarajevo at Dawn, uh, which talks about the uh, spy war in Bosnia and you know how the U.S. Army was running counterintelligence um, agents against the uh, against the Bosnians, the Serbs, and the Croats, and uh, you know how how uh, some. Uh, how these uh, army counter intel agents were supposed to be, you know, half soldier and half James Bond, <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, th- then there's then there's another one uh, that deals with um, the combat engineers in Vietnam, and uh, they, you know, I, I I think that's a vitally important story um, because when I say combat engineering, I I don't mean somebody uh, who is doing calculations and constructions. Um, none of the uh, none none of the more fancy aspects of engineering, I guess you would say. But uh, you know, combat engineering is in people who you know lay landmines and you know people who uh, people who set obstacles for the enemies to run into, and uh, you know people mm-hmm. who uh, people who set barbed wire traps and people who have to clear landmines. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. a uh, it's a very nitty gritty job um, that you know that uh, Mm. that is right there alongside the infantry and the and uh, the tanks and the artillery but I don't think it gets uh, as much as much press or PR as it should.
2: I so agree with you because I've really often wondered like okay when we've gone to different historic battlefields Mm -hmm. and we hear the stories like one battlefield Lisa where was that where the um, the homestead house was like 20 feet from the battleground. Monocacy. Monocacy yeah. in, yeah. in D- Washington, not Washington, um, Maryland, outside of D.C., very close. Well, yeah, nearby in Maryland. Uh, Monocacy is part of like it's a series of farmhouses, basically. Yeah. And um, the family, you know, the, the wife would take the kids downstairs into the basement area of the farmhouse and yeah. was in the civil war history and they're you know here they're doing the civil war outside your bedroom window literally yeah. i mean you've got to think like you know world war ii was like that too you know where you know you're being bombed what's happening in in ukraine right now it's like it how what do you tell your kids how do you protect your kids but this is your own home hmm. you're on this pristine piece of land it's a quiet living you're working hard. Your kids are working the land. It's back in the days when people had more kids to work the land, and then next thing you know, you're being invaded with a bunch of people that are blowing each other up on your doorstep. And and then we were in one um, uh, Tyrone plantation where mm-hmm. you you listened to well, this grant was in the lower floor. While well, the war was happening, I mean, we've been. And in his donkey would pee on where... charcoal downstairs. Yeah. And you can stay in a room there now. Anyway. <laughs> That's yeah. a whole other no, deal. I mean, it, it makes history come alive if you travel and go to these historic places when you mm-hmm. can, especially taking your children. Because history in school can be like, eh, you know? Yeah. and But if you take oh. them to the places where things happened, mm-hmm. it comes alive. And Uh-oh. I really hope... I, I wanted to touch on that about going to places, Mike. Um, you're mm-hmm. in Minnesota. We're gonna mm-hmm. come see you. We're coming. We're coming mm-hmm. up north, and and I'm scared because we have to drive through snow in, in the next oh. couple days. But um, oh. uh, on on a on a somber note, I know we we are leaving on a high note, but on a somber note too. Um, I, I believe you lost a, a loved one from one of your books that's that was living near you. Am I right on that? Oh. that
0: Yes. um yes yeah, so um and uh uh it was rather oh. sudden um but not necessarily a surprise um but marty romano uh he was um he was the
1: uh
0: mm. he he was the p t boat crewman he was on he was on p t three o six in the mediterranean and uh after after the war uh he settled in Settled in Minneapolis, and he uh, built a lot of the uh, he, he was a civil engineer by trade, and he ended up building a lot of the um, a lot of the landmarks here in the city that uh, people either either walk across or they drive through every day. Um, yeah, you know, he, he has his uh, he has his legacy written, you know, all over the uh, all over the Twin Cities, just for the bridges and the tunnels that. Uh, that he was responsible for building. And uh, at the age of 98, 98 no less, he passed away. And uh, wow. he was the last surviving crew member of PT-306. And mm. uh, I w- had plans to attend his funeral, but unfortunately uh, I, I got terribly ill that weekend that oh. uh, we were supposed oh. to marry him. But, uh, but I was there in spirit and I'm actually, uh, for one of the uh, upcoming World War II roundtables. Um, I'm going to be given a, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to be given a presentation on, uh, on his life and career because mm. he's uh, yeah, he, he's, he's one of that greatest generation and mm. he's one who, uh, one who really embodies the spirit of the times. And yeah, we're, we're, we uh, mm. we need more folks like him around. Mm. Yeah.
2: I, I remember him being as, mm. you know, even before the book came out, you talked about him and um I was saying like when we come up, we'll go see like his bridges and hopefully even meet him. And um, I'm so I'm so sorry. And you know that that's the thing when you talk about the, the greatest generation. And um, we talk about war today. We went all over the place. Obviously, we always yeah. do that, right, Mike? Um, <laughs> but I mean, how can you? You know, we let us have a discussion on why we kill each other, right, uh, in war? Well, but it's that's the truth, and that's something we we explore on these shows. But it's, you know, when, when some something is wrong in World War II and World War One, those were two wars that were so um people Crazy. put themselves out there not even knowing better about skills, right? There so many people just showed up. And and I think that's something in life that we need to embody more is to show up and you know, all these, uh, this has been a wild show. And so we appreciate your time, Mike, and the people that you interview and write about their legacy, their lives. I think you're doing important work. We always talk about that on the show, but, um, when, when we lose they their life, be forgotten. They're, they're not forgotten. So yeah. I, I encourage people to, to go buy your books and, and read these stories because they're inspirational you know, we lose these these heroes, right? And sometimes we don't know these heroes exist. But that's what Mike does. He introduces us to these heroes. And may they not just be forgotten. may we remember them, maybe read about them and be inspired by them to show up in life and, period, and not, not necessarily and- even in the military, just to show up.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: then it's also good to read about them not a hundred years later. no no Let, let's let's you know, move yeah and 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 and, now. And, all, and to connect with those now today today mm-hmm. so thank you again everyone mikeguardia.com is a website to keep up with mike keep up with us here every first monday we chat with mike uh so keep up with us at bigblendradio.com uh, if you're listening on our big daily blend show our music and conversation show we're going to have to rope mike in on one of those crazy shows with us yeah. we're going to get him on one of those mm-hmm. um that show is fun we play music we talk talk about rabbit holes like basically that's all our radio shows are big rabbit holes um (laughs) but he he is so if you're listening on on that show we get to play over and over from madonna that's his pick um so enjoy that so thanks so much mike
0: thank you ladies always a pleasure to be here